This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today is a topic that I think everyone can relate to, and that is how we turn to food in times of stress, anxiety, or any kind of struggle. And certainly, we've all been doing that to a certain degree throughout this pandemic. Well, today, we have an incredible guest with us who's going to help us change all of that. Her name is Jamie Sable, and she is a registered psychotherapist and human resources consultant who's here to talk about her incredible new book called, I have it right here, Hungry Heart, Break Free from Emotional Eating and Develop a Healthy Relationship with Food. Also later on in the program, back again to sing us out of the show with her new single. We have singer-songwriter Amelia DeCola. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about Jamie Sable. Jamie Sable has more than 15 years of experience providing counseling in the healthcare and weight loss industry. She's a member of the College of Registered Psychotherapists of Ontario, and she works with both private and corporate clients in a variety of areas, including stress, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, relationships, and weight management. Jamie lives in Toronto with her husband and four children. Jamie Sable, welcome to Finding Your Bliss and congratulations on your new book. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's so exciting. And uh, I just loved, like from the first line of the book, I love the story in your book about working as a psychotherapist and clinical counselor during an internship at a weight loss camp and how you were supposed to be a role model for healthy eating and as you say, because of your own stress levels, you in fact gained 15 pounds that summer. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened first of all, but what happened when you got home and started to become aware of your own emotional eating? Yeah, it's interesting. I started to notice it while I was in camp because we had been given all these tools and workbooks and worksheets to help sort of deal with the behavior aspect of the eating. And, and really, we were tackling the eating habits. And as the clients kept coming in and, and talking about what was happening to them, I kept hearing stories of stress, of anxiety, of depression, of trauma, of bullying. And there was such a theme of, wait a second, this isn't, this isn't actually about the food. The food is, you know, had become an issue. It had become an obstacle to them, but it was so much deeper. Mm-hmm. It was so much deeper than that. And really what we had to do was really uncover and sort of delayer what was at the root of it, which was all of those other psychological and emotional variables. Right. And so there was sort of client after client who kept sort of validating that theory. And then, you know, as you had mentioned, there was so much stress in this experience. We were living, you know, not at home. It was super long days and we were out in BC and there was like cougars and bear sightings. (laughs) It was was a lot. And then sort of at the end of the day, get together with the other counselors and debrief. And so we weren't really 
sort of going to sleep until midnight and and that you know the day would start again with a walk like outside of uh therapy sessions it was we were doing other programs with them and so it was really really a stressful experience and only afterwards I, th- I think I was sort of in survival mode in that time but only afterwards you know as you said when I got home and I started putting on clothes or attempting to put on clothes uh, that did not fit did I kind of go oh right this is happening for me too <laughs> right right and so it really was just a validation of this isn't just about diet and exercise wow. and that people continuously cycle on the same programs over and over again. Yeah. And the reason why they cycle is because they're addressing sort of the behaviors, the presenting behaviors, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than why they are turning to food in the first place as a coping strategy. Mm-hmm. So unless we deal with what they are using the food to cope with, yes, then you're not going to have a sustainable result. And that's why people yo-yo, which is so harmful, not just on their bodies, but but psychologically and emotionally as well, right? You achieve the success and then you get disappointed and frustrated and down on yourself. And so I really wanted to offer a solution to people to be able to say, hey, you're missing a big piece of the puzzle here, (laughs) right? There's something else going on here. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I came back from camp and I said, you know, I'm I'm gonna focus on this particular area. And it was amazing how many people were saying, I know what to eat. That's not the problem. Right. I know what to do for exercise. That's not the problem. Right. I'm not doing it and I don't know why. And then we go, you know, have a seat. But you did, Jamie, I read in the book, you did start an exercise class and a dance class. And like you started running again, like you started, you took some action, which I think is also very important because sometimes we get so stuck, we become paralyzed and we don't do anything, which is not good for the eating issue as well. So you started working out, you went to talk to someone, you you did some action-based things. So just to start with, if someone is really stuck in this paralyzed sort of state, what do you say to them just to break free and take that first step? So I think the first step is really getting curious, right, about what is happening and and why you are sort of stuck in the place that you are, right? As opposed to, I think what happens is we cycle and we we put on the weight and then we get frustrated and we punish ourselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to the food again. And then we feel like crap afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of crap isn't really motivating for us, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We sort of, it's sort of a self-punishment thing. And so I think the first piece is getting curious about without judgment, with Mm self-compassion. Why Mm -hmm. am I turning to food? What is happening for me right now that Mm -hmm. this has become a comfort, right? It's sort of Mm -hmm. like, um, it should be like a a flare signal, right? Of like, wait, 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 something's something's going on here without the judgment, right? And so I think that first piece is curiosity, mm-hmm. open curiosity, mm-hmm. right? With self-compassion and then being able to, the next step I think after that is if you can see someone going down that psychological path, right? To explore mm-hmm. why, why is this happening? Why are you turning to the food mm-hmm. and really approaching it from a self-compassion mm-hmm. and patience and forgiveness perspective, mm-hmm. right? So as you said, you know, I started to do the exercise, I started to see someone. And so all these different elements that really support self-compassion, all things that are, you know, you said the doing, you you went into action, right? So anything that was self-compassionate, getting good sleep, 
making sure I, at the end of the day, I'm not just running in bed after I throw the kids down to bed, not literally throw the kids down to bed, but <laughs> have a toddler and a baby. Cuddle them, cuddle them. And then, yeah. you know, crawling in bed yeah. and, and having a show and having some time with your partner and having some time with friends and all the things that are going to be nourishing, not just for your body, but for your mind and for your soul as well, right? And so that's seeing a counselor. If you have that accessible to you, it's doing any physical activity, right? And you don't even have to go to the gym. It's, you know, I'm just going for a walk outside right now. And mm-hmm. like, I'm so tired because I'm sleep deprived. So, like the idea of jogging for me is like, you know, so it's like, just move, just go for a walk. Yes. Be good to yourself. I love your story in the book where you were working downtown till 7 p.m. <laughs> and you had to go into the subway past this candy store. Yeah. And and it was impossible to avoid. I think you said the rosebud chocolates or something, some kind of a chocolate that you loved. And so you didn't know what to do. And finally, you had the best awakening and the best realization, which is bundle up with the, you know, the scarf and the hat and the mittens and the whole nine yards. Go outside for the extra five minutes walk outside and avoid that candy store and how great that you got to have that extra walk or when you're feeling that urge to eat something or to reward yourself with something in a, during a long day you would say to people go outside and walk you're going to feel revived and refreshed and renewed and i That's love right. when you talk about that and that was it really was a, a sort of an aha moment actually there was two things i think that was happening that was sort of putting energy back in the tank and one was as you said getting outside get up out of your office. So many of us just sit all day, right? And at a certain point, our body kind of goes, well, we're not moving for a long time. Are we sleeping? <laughs> Is it time to go to sleep now? And then we just sort of, you know, our body kind of shuts down. Yes. So getting outside, I threw on, you know, music that I was like super into at the time. And I was, I think, listening to the soundtrack to Hamilton. And so I was, yes. you know, grooving down the street. And then I had become really good friends with the people who run the pharmacy next door. And so I would go and I would say hello. And so there was a social yes. element as well. And there was a really nice point of connection. And those two pieces were sort of putting energy back in the tank. Mm-hmm. And so it was Love providing that. the same up right? And the same break. So the result was the same. Yes. But it was a different path, a healthier path. I love that. I even love that you say that in the book is that you listen to Hamilton because it's sort of March-like and it makes you get up and go as opposed to like Lionel Richie. Or, no, I love Lionel Richie. But you know what I mean? Sorry, Lionel. I want, I want yes. Lionel to come on the show. Love Lionel. But, <laughs> we love him. But as opposed to a ballad or something that's just going to make you too relaxed and you're not going to be in that, yes. you know, in that space, right? It's, it's J-Lo, it's Christina, it's Justin Timberlake. It's, it's the whole game, totally. you know? It's totally, totally. So you have so many great, and I want to tell all the listeners this, that I love that you've included so many personalized stories throughout the book about clients that you've worked with and helped, which really drives home so much of this and makes the book come alive. And we're going to get to some of those stories soon. And you've also done a tremendous amount of research for this book. What made you ultimately decide to harness all of this knowledge and all this expertise and write Hungry Heart? So I think it was seeing a lot of clients who weren't making that connection, that there is an underlying psychological piece here. Mm-hmm. And I kept seeing, you know, diet programs and top 10 exercises. And and I just thought, you know, let's give people the right solution, 
so that they can do it. They can work through, you know, their stuff and be able to manage this on their own. You know, the, mm-hmm. the idea for me is to be able to give people the tools and the skills that they need to get out of my office. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a great business model for me, <laughs> but that's, that's what I want. I'm able to package it up insert it into them as a system and be able to sort of that they can come in for tweaks, but that they can sort of recognize, Hey, something's happening for me right now. I know what to do because I've got the system embedded. And so mm-hmm. I think it was about two things. It was creating awareness mm-hmm. around this other piece that just hadn't been, I mean, this isn't something that's a new concept, but I just don't think we talk about it enough. Right. Right. And so I don't think, you know, as soon as people say, oh, I, I need to lose weight, immediately the first response is diet program, exercise program. Yes. Right. And that's the first response. And so I think, hey, if that works for you, great. Awesome. If it's not working, mm-hmm. maybe there's another, you're missing the other piece here. Mm-hmm. Right. And so part of it was wanting to create this awareness so that people can start thinking about, well, maybe something else is going on. Mm-hmm. because the solution only starts with the awareness. So the book was about providing awareness. And I think that the specific stories, the personal stories were about the reader being able to connect and find themselves in one of those stories, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And being yes. able to sort of go, oh, that is me. Yes, That's exactly me. That's exactly what I do. And that's what I go through. Now it makes sense as to why I turn to food Mm -hmm. and why, you know, I'm in this sort of cycle or in this, in the whole kind of thing. And the other piece was, okay, now once you know that, and once, once you understand that this is what's happening, the question becomes, okay, great. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be able to provide sort of as many tools and skills as I could that I would offer in session into this book, Mm -hmm. because some people Listen, some people don't have access to therapy. Mm-hmm. Some people don't, they don't have the accessibility. They, you know, they're not mobile or they can't take time off from work or mm-hmm. financially it's not available to them. Mm-hmm. We're still in a place where insurance companies are not quite there yet in terms of support around mental health. Mm-hmm. And so it is hard for a lot of people to get access to mental health services. Mm-hmm. And there's still the stigma as well. Right. And so this was a solution that I could say, Hey, if you don't have access to it for whatever reason, but you're sort of thinking about it, you're not maybe ready to go see someone just yet, but you want to dip your toe in at your own pace. Nice. Here it is for you that you can do on your own, Mm -hmm. you know, one page at a time. Jamie, in addition to your camp experience, are you an emotional eater? Was this, or was this an isolated thing at the internship at camp? Or are you an emotional eater who has to use a lot of your own advice and your research to help yourself? If you looked into my nightstand drawer (laughs) and saw the three musketeers and the Cheetos downstairs as I'm hiding in the pantry from my toddler and, you know... Like as I'm trying to rock the baby and I'm like scooping, you know, ice cream into my body. Nutella. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm an emotional eater. And that's why, you know, I I get this. I experience this myself. Mm-hmm. Right. That's great. Cause then it, that comes through in the book because it, it's like, you're not just the expert. And also she, so for our listeners, she looks gorgeous. She's a beautiful, blonde, very in shape person, but you work at it. It's not something that just isn't right. It's something you've had to work at and you've created this plan that 
really will help you. And it's so brilliant. You say that numerous studies have shown that physical or emotional stress drastically increases our intake of foods that are high in fat and sugar. So while many people understand that eating in a healthy way and exercising are beneficial, as I've just mentioned, stress at home or work can prevent us from healthy eating behaviors. How do we combat this stress so that we don't fall victim to emotional eating? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. So it's about, it's two things. It's prevention, right? And doing all those things to mitigate the stress, whether it's physical activity has shown to relieve stress. You know, any any practitioner will say, you know, stress, anxiety, go be physical, right? Because there's two things that are happening when we are being physically active. Our body is releasing cortisol, which is the stress hormone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the other piece that's happening is our body is also producing testosterone, which is connected to confidence. Wow. So, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's, that's why cool. it's so, you know, when I get on the treadmill and I'm like, I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> and then half an hour later, it's, you know, bring it on. And there's such a change. Um, now this doesn't happen for everybody, but this is just, you know, my experience where I really do feel like my body hasn't changed. I haven't magically lost weight and my body hasn't changed in any way, mm-hmm. but yet I get off the treadmill and I go into the change room and I look in the mirror and I go, okay, <laughs> all right, so and it is about, it's shifting the perspective from losing weight through exercise to being strong and mm-hmm. taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and feeling good, mm-hmm. right? So I'm getting outside. I'm going for a walk because I know it'll make me feel good. And I know it'll also contribute to me making better choices with food as well. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. makes you more mindful, right? That's great. So the physical activity, meditation, as we started out at the beginning, yes, talking to a counselor. I mean, there's, there's a variety of different ones. And that's why I put so many in the book because... There's no one size fits all approach. Mm-hmm. There's no magic bullet. Different things work for different people. And you want to try and see what fits. I mentioned this already, but I love the personal stories that you've interwoven in the book based on clients you've seen as a therapist. And Daniel was a poignant story in the book because it revealed that he felt shame as a child, which came from not being able to live up to the expectations of his father. How were you able to help him and turn his life around with regards to eating and wellness? So that was a really great client. I loved working with him. So that process for him was about self-compassion, mm-hmm. right? Being more gentle mm-hmm. and accepting and loving of himself mm-hmm. and also sort of becoming his own mm-hmm. father, nice. right? The sense, the father that he would have needed, right? And all of those things that you would find nourishing in a father, right? Is, mm-hmm. is acceptance and gentleness. And, you know, when your kid comes to you and says, you know, I, I made a mistake, you would say, it's okay. That's okay. You tried and you did it. And falling is part of it and making mistakes is part of it. And in fact, making mistakes is really cool because when you make a mistake, your brain both consciously and subconsciously makes the connection. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you're actually, learning the brain is growing yes. as you're making mistakes. And so he had to become his own father, the father that he would have wow. needed through self-compassion. Wow. You do great work, Jamie. Oh my it's gosh. Great. And this, and what's so great is you're only one person. And I, I remember when you were at the camp, you were seeing like doing 20 cases a day or something. You had this crazy week. And now you can actually reach thousands and thousands of people with this book. So you can see your clients, but also help people all over the world, which is so cool. 
Another huge area in the book is self-esteem. And you say that emotional problems are a risk factor for obesity. And you quote many psychiatrists and therapists, and you've done a tremendous amount of research, as I mentioned, also quoting Adler, among many. And Adler placed a great emphasis on the interpretation of early memories. Can you tell us more about the will to power concept, which focuses on a person's individual personal responsibility, their creative power to change? Just sounds like such a cool concept, Mm -hmm. will to power. What is that all about? What does it mean? We're going to hear all about the will to power concept and so much more from the book Hungry Heart with author Jamie Sable when we come back after this short break. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio AM 740. I'm having a fascinating conversation with author and psychotherapist Jamie Sable. And I was just asking you, Jamie, about the will to power concept, which you learned by researching the work of the therapist Adler. It sounds like such a cool concept. Can you tell us what it's all about? Yeah. So I really, I'm, you know, I'm an Adler junkie. I just, I really connected to his theories. You know, he was the theorist who came up with the inferiority superiority complex. And he says, everybody is born with some type of inferiority, whether it's biological or emotional or physical, everybody gets something, mm-hmm. right? So, so nobody goes unscathed. We all get something yes. that we need to work through and to overcome. And so he sort of says, okay, so you're going to get this thing. You're going to get a challenge, but it's okay. In fact, this is good because this is going to make you grow. And not only that, but you have the power, you have the will to power to change. If it's outside of your control, you're almost in a helpless scenario, Mm -hmm. right? But he's saying, it's okay. You got it. Mm -hmm. You can do it. You have the capacity to do it. And so it puts the onus and the sense of power back inside. Love that. I love that. Blame is another huge thing. This happens a lot in marriages, right? Blame in reality may be a way to dispense our own frustration, stress, disappointment, and anger. But you say in the book that as Gandhi says, you must be the change that you wish to see in the world. And you even share a story, which is common for many of us, about how you've sat down with your own husband. I do this with Cliff all the time, so I really related to this. To talk about what's bothering you, and after 20 minutes of venting and crying, you feel better, but the other person is left with this whole thing going, oh my God, they feel badly about themselves. So we have to watch that very natural tendency that we all have in all of us to do that, the concept of blaming. Can you tell us more about that and how it relates to emotional eating and food, et cetera? Yeah. So I think when we struggle, so blame is basically, you know, as you said, is a dischargement of pain, Mm -hmm. right? We don't want to feel it, right? It's 
seek pleasure, avoid pain. That's, you know, basic, you know, 101. And so <laughs> any way that we can get rid of it, yeah. right, we're going to try. And so that's where blame comes in, right? It's such a natural instinct. And I'm, you know, this is something that I'm working on right now because we're in this sort of newborn phase. We're so tired, right? Mm. And so oftentimes the natural instinct is like, hey, why don't you get up? in the middle of the night why is it always me and you know and and i have to sort of activate that self-compassion voice that says hey you know what you're exhausted you're just exhausted you love him he's not a bad guy you know he's wonderful you're just exhausted and you need to take care of yourself yeah right yeah. so again it's sort of getting taking that curious mm-hmm. and compassionate perspective and going what's What's really your struggle here? Let's actually yeah. deal with the struggle itself mm-hmm. and go to the root of it, yeah. which oftentimes is I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. Well, then if that's the problem, then the solution needs to be self-care and taking a time out and saying, you know what? I'm turning to your partner instead of blaming, but turning to them and saying, Hey, you know, I'm really struggling. Mm-hmm. I need some help. Would it be okay if? tonight you took them or, you know, we got a babysitter and, or, Hey, you know what? I need some time alone. I'm going to, I'm going to go to get a massage or I'm going to go to the mall for a couple hours and just walk around by myself. And so, you know, with the food, it's the same thing. Smart. It's the same thing. It's getting curious about what's happening for you, what that struggle is and engaging that self-compassionate muscle. Mm. When you're driving past McDonald's and I know McDonald's is in your book and you see it, there they are, the golden arches and you're already tired, you're stressed, you're weak and you're like, oh, that quarter pounder would be so yum. Like, what do you do when that happens? Do you indulge in it once in a while and allow yourself that little treat or is there another way to look at it? So I I think different strategies for different people, Mm -hmm. right? So um, what works really well for one person doesn't work for someone else. There have been times where I've turned to my kids and I said, who wants McDonald's? And they're like, <laughs> no, like my four-year-old, no. I'm like, I'll buy you an ice cream. Come on. <laughs> like, I have to like lure her in, right? And then there are other times where I activate that self-compassionate voice. And this is the piece that we really need because so much of it is our self-talk. <laughs> and I'll say, you know, hey, Jamie, you you could go down that path and you could have the McDonald's and you'll feel really good in those few moments. Yeah. But then you're going to have two problems instead of one, mm-hmm. because now you're going to have the initial problem of what led you to McDonald's in the first place. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be feeling, I mean, I'm 45. So like when I have McDonald's, <laughs> if I have it, it has to be in the middle of the day. So I have the rest of the day to recover. Right. And so it's activating that compassionate voice to say, you know, Number one, you're going to have two problems. Mm -hmm. And number two, let's actually go to the root of this. You're tired. You're exhausted. Why don't we go home and nap, Mm -hmm. put on a movie for the toddler and just lie down and start to imagine how good it would feel Mm -hmm. to say no and win one. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so I'll, I'll come downstairs. I mean, the other night couldn't get, you know, the baby down and it was like, midnight and we had started at 8 30 and she was just like wanting to party hardy all night <laughs> and at you know at midnight i came downstairs looking around the pantry i'm like i got something <laughs> just give me something and then like the other voice went you know what 
you're going to win this one because you're going to be so exhausted and then you're going to feel bloated and you're going to feel just uncomfortable and, mm-hmm. and you're going to feel also bad, you know, emotionally. So let's win this one. And tomorrow's great. a new day. Great. 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 Oh, I love that. I just love that. Okay. I'm going to go to a whole other place right now because this is in the book as well. And I love this section of the book. How did musical theater and singing help you grow your self-esteem and confidence? And what a wonderful outlet for people who are struggling from emotional eating is to have an outlet, whatever it may be. For you, it was musical theater and singing. You first started off, you wrote in the book by saying, I don't want any lines, but you got one line, which you were grateful for. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I think the self-esteem piece is around, you know, not feeling good enough, right? And not feeling confident enough. And so in order to do that, to be able to change that I'm not good enough to, I am good enough, we have to do things that are slightly out of the comfort zone, Mm -hmm. right? And so once you do it, then your brain starts to shift and go, hey, you know, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I guess I can do that. And then the next part is, well, if I can do that, well, what else can I do? <laughs> right? So I just had this with my daughter. I took her to bike camp for the first time. She <laughs> said, mommy, I'm scared. And mommy, I'm scared. Yeah, of course. Of course you're scared. Yeah, this is something new. And and she said, I want to fall. I said, yeah, you probably will. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say, no, it's okay. It's going to be okay. We, we want to sort of, leave some space to entertain and, and process those fears, right? Of course. Yeah, it's scary. You've never done this before. And you're going to fall. And then you know what? You're going to get up and you're going to dust off. And then you're going to get on the bike again. And it's going to be easier each uh-huh. time you do it. And I picked her up at the end of the day. And I said, was it as bad as what you thought it was going to be? No. And I said, you know what? Nothing is. Remember this, you know, the next time. And the wow. next time she, we went swimming and she said, I'm scared. I said, yeah, but remember we went biking? Uh-huh. And so each time it starts to build some confidence, right? Yeah. And so lovely. when I went to the theater, I said, don't give me anything. I just <laughs> want to dance. And the director said, sorry, no can do. You're going to get something. And then it was the same experience. You know what? It wasn't so bad. Was my heart beating outside my chest? Yes. <laughs> but then after I did that, I said, you know, maybe I'm going to take singing lessons because so much especially I think for women is we get locked up in here. Yeah. Don't speak up. Don't use your voice. Yes. Don't stir the feathers. Right. And so this gets very blocked in here. And I think singing was a great way to open up, to be vulnerable, to use our voice. Yes. And to practice really doing something that was outside the comfort zone. I have so many good memories of seeing you on stage and just being absolutely beautiful on stage. You have some wonderful strategies, Jamie, 11 strategies that work for stress, but also work for enhancing self-esteem. What are some of your favorite ones? The ones that I do, the ones that I find I do on a regular basis, the physical activity is, I find most incredibly helpful for me. So my, I try to have sort of a daily routine where I do something physical, even if it's going for a walk for an hour mm-hmm. as a cool down, I'll do a 15 minute meditation. So that they're together as opposed to like, I have to find a time to work out. I have to find a time to meditate. Right. And I find that that gets harder. So if you, you can bridge them together and make it, make the meditation a part of the workout, you've got a greater likelihood of getting it done. And then I will do, I find, so the physical activity, the meditation, the gratitude is a big one for me. 
the gratitude and the cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. So when we actively practice gratitude, yeah. right? Look for the little things. Of course. The sun is shining. You know, I, I said this morning, I showered today. <laughs> like, oh my god! I showered. I put on clothes. I put on makeup today. It's a miracle. My daughter went to school today. I'm so grateful that she was home yesterday, and so I couldn't get any work done. So I'm grateful she went to school. I'm grateful that she's feeling okay. I'm grateful that you know the baby is healthy and that I'm spending time with friends. Like, so every day, exercising that gratitude muscle because yeah. there's a couple things that happen. One is you start to build more moments of positive experiences mm-hmm. of gratitude. The gratitude begets the gratitude. It's, it's almost as if the universe kind of goes, oh, you're working on this. Oh, great. Here you go. And then it starts to yeah. show up in other ways of things to be grateful for. Right. Lovely. And the other thing that happens when you're practicing gratitude is that when you do hit a bump, it's not as bumpy as it would be. It's like, okay, yes, this is going to suck for a little bit, <laughs> but you know what? We have this huge big bucket of things that have gone amazing. So it's okay. We'll get through it. Nice. Right? Nice. So I would say the physical activity, the meditation, the gratitude, journaling, and Mm -hmm. that self-compassionate voice, which is Mm -hmm. often it's practiced and it's exercised with cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm, lovely, lovely, lovely stuff. And there's so many more. Like I love all the tips about yoga and about meditation and all the different wonderful things that you can do for self-care that will help you with this journey. There's a fascinating story about your client, Elisa, who did everything, including having gastric sleeve surgery. And even with all of that, ultimately, she needed therapy and help with the deeper stuff that was resulting in her turning to food as a numbing strategy. Can you tell us more about Elisa not receiving the unconditional love from her mother and how that impacted her weight loss journey and what happened ultimately to make her well? Mm -hmm. So I think quite similar to the story with Daniel, the root piece was, I'm not good enough. If your mother is giving you messages, either directly or indirectly, that you're not worthy of love and acceptance, right? Then that turns into your own voice. I'm not worthy of love Mm -hmm. and acceptance, right? And so then she needed to become her own mother Mm -hmm. who was compassionate, who was forgiving of her, Mm -hmm. who was patient and actively practice Mm -hmm. behaviors of self-love and Mm self-compassion and of forgiveness. And over time, as she started to do that, she started to heal inside her heart. She started to heal her hungry heart. She started to heal her hungry heart. Wow. That's right. I love that. Oh, there's so many wonderful stories in this book. You also have so many practical suggestions. One of them is the reward system. How does the reward system work? So I find the reward system works in terms of behavior change. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, there's a book that I reference called The Habit Change by uh, Charles Duhigg. And he talks about the habit loop where you have a specific cue that sort of sets you up for the behavior. Mm-hmm. You've got the behavior and then you've got the reward. Mm-hmm. So if we think about, you know, let's say turning to the Big Mac or to the ice cream, we've got the late night, kid isn't sleeping, that sets me off for the food. And then the food gives me the immediate like, ah, oh, right? Because mm-hmm. in the book, we talk about the science and research around foods high in sugar and fat that actually block stress receptor cells. So it works, 
right? And so that's why we go to it. We're not binging on carrots and celery. Right. We're going to the food that's high in fat and sugar right. because it's working, right? So we have a temporary relief. And so your brain then makes that connection. When I turn to these particular foods, I get an immediate sense of relief. Mm-hmm. And then we do it again the next time. Mm-hmm. And then you do it again. And now you have a habit loop. Mm-hmm. And so the theory goes is that if we can keep the same cue mm-hmm. and still keep the rewards, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but change the behavior, then you can develop a new habit. A new habit. So you say put the workout clothes. I love when you said that in the book beside your bed. That's your cue. In the morning, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to make this so easy. There's the Lululemons. They're right there. There's your running shoes. There's your cute little socks. You're ready to go. Get dressed, put on your Fitbit and do it. As opposed to having to think about it, you may not do it. The cue might help. The cue, I think the cue certainly helps me. I think we have more energy in our bucket earlier in the morning. I think we get sort of bogged down and the energy comes out of our tank throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And so by the end of the day, you're like... (laughs) Mm. forget it, not happening. I'm curling up and watching episodes of Friends with some popcorn, right? And so for me, it is do nothing. Like I don't even brush my teeth. Uh, Maybe that's too much disclosure. (laughs) I just just don't even, just get out there. Because in that two minutes of brushing my teeth, I can sort of trick myself into going, well, maybe I'll just have breakfast first. And maybe I'll just return a few emails first and then forget it, it's over. It doesn't happen. So do nothing. And then, so that's the cue, go for the walk. And then the reward I get, there's a few rewards. So one is I make this smoothie that I love and I'm just, I can't wait to come back <laughs> to It's so delicious. <laughs> and then, so I have the reward of the smoothie. And then I also have the reward of the sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. and the pride of I did it. Mm-hmm. Right. Great. So great. I loved also, Jamie, when you talked about how when people come into your office, they often tell you the new number they want to achieve on the scale. And you say, this isn't important that there's more to this than just the number. Way deeper stuff happening. What do you mean? So I'll, you know, people will have a certain number in mind and and then it's the same approach. We get curious. Well, why did that number, what does that number mean to you? Mm-hmm. What will be different in your life mm-hmm. when you're that number? Mm-hmm. What will your life look like? Mm-hmm. How will you feel about yourself? How will people treat you differently if you're that number. Mm -hmm. And so we can start to really, it's not the number itself. It's what that number means to that person. And if we can get to that piece, then we can really start to get to the nuts and bolts of what's happening underneath. That's awesome. What is the connection between mindfulness meditation and combating depression and anxiety? So mindfulness meditation, if you sort of think about anxiety and depression, so imagine, you know, between my hands is the present moment right? Anything in the future is over here. Mm -hmm. This is where anxiety lives. Mm -hmm. Worrying about all the things that are going to go wrong in the future, Mm -hmm. predicting what's going to go wrong in the future. Mm -hmm. If you come over here on the other side, this is the past. This is where depression lives. This is where we're ruminating on things that have already happened over which we have no control. Mm -hmm. So the only outcome, because it's already happened, and you're just ruminating on it, the only outcome is you're going to feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. So if we can live, actively practice and live here in between these two, mm-hmm. then this quiets down and this quiets down. Lovely. And that's where mindfulness meditation is. Lovely. 
I have like another 20 questions. So I'm going to say right now that I have to have you back on again to talk more about this. Will you, will you come back on the yes, show? Because of course, there, of there's course. so much. But this is one that I'm really dying to ask you, which is why is making the bed first thing in the morning a great tool to start your day in a positive way? So I love that. And I have, oh man, I fight with my kids over this. <laughs> Even my four-year-old, we've gotten this independent chart for her. And so she gets a sticker every time she does it. Nice. And we've added like, hey, you can make your bed in the morning. And it's so important because I remember seeing this video clip and I believe he was, I don't know, maybe he was Navy. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly. So I don't want to get it wrong. But basically, it's a sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And when you accomplish something, you get that dopamine hit, mm-hmm. right? That feel good chemical. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's very similar to, you know, what we talked about before. Hey, if I can do this, mm-hmm. well, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of helps to build momentum aside from getting into a nice made bed at the end of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? And be Absolutely. kind to yourself, right? That you deserve Absolutely. to get in a nice, clean, well-made bed. Of course. What is your ultimate goal and hope for this book? So I think the goal is to provide awareness around this, the psychological piece and get people to start making that connection that maybe this isn't just diet and exercise, that that's not necessarily the solution for everybody. That if you are cycling on, you know, these same programs over and over again, that maybe there's another piece that you need to look into. And at the same time, giving people access to the tools and the skills that I would offer in session that people could do at an affordable rate in their own time, you know, whenever they're ready, right? Because sometimes it's, you mentioned earlier, there's a readiness factor. Mm -hmm. And so this is really like, hey, you're not ready, no problem, but you've got it whenever you're ready. And if you fall down, no problem. When you get back up again, it's here for you. So true. What is bliss these days for Jamie Sable? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> so my little ones, little Miss <laughs> Lennon Harper is going to be six months in uh, just a few days. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. And she's so sweet and delicious <laughs> and just being mindful of those moments with her, right? Because everyone says it goes so fast, it goes so fast. And when I, it's, it's interesting. So I got into this habit. This is one thing I do. I don't know if I put it in the book or not, but it's one thing I do where if there is a moment that I'm in that I really feel like I'm so happy right now, this is mm-hmm. such a nice moment. I will call it out and say moment. And I started doing that when I was probably 20 years ago when I was traveling in Australia and I was sitting with my girlfriend, sitting outside the hostel, having a beer. And watching the sunset, I said, this is just so nice. And she said, you know, we should just say it every time that we have one of these moments because it'll bring attention to it. And I said, I love that. And I've done that from here on in. And so it really does bring you, it's about that mindfulness, right? Bringing you back into that moment. And so the moments with my infant Lennon and the moments with little Miss Keaton, who's four now, and (laughs) she'll crawl into my bed and she takes my hand and she she puts it onto her face and then she falls asleep. Or, you know, if I eventually roll over to the other side, she puts her arm around me and it's just, she's the sweetest thing. I love you, mommy. (laughs) And the moments with my husband where we're holding hands, lying in bed, watching episodes of friends and just laughing Uh. together and, you know, time with friends sitting outside, even in the pandemic, 
I had reconnected with old friends from high school. Like there's just, and the book and right. When you pay attention to these moments, you cultivate more moments, but it's also having that agency of change and creating those moments. A lot, a lot of lovely things. I'm happy for you. Yeah. It's beautiful stuff. And I, I really want to tell you all, this book is wonderful stuff. Again, it's called Hungry Heart, Break Free from Emotional Eating and Develop a Healthy Relationship with Food. And there's so much more in here, not just about food, but about self-care and self-compassion and kindness and love for not only for others, but for yourself, which is so important and is really a big part of bliss. So I thank you for writing it. And uh, I'm so excited for you. And we really want to congratulate you again. What is the best way for people to contact you, Jamie, and connect with you on social media? And of course, how do people buy the book? So social media, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and on my website as well, which is www.sabletlc.com, my last name, and Tender Loving Care. And the book is available across stores in Canada, all stores in Canada. You just call them, ask them if they have a, a copy in store. If they do, great. If they don't, what you can do is you can actually just order a copy and it'll come within a few days. But any store that's close to you should have a copy available to you. That's so awesome. And I also have to say, and I don't know if you still do this, but you would always do these videos that are so lovely as well, where you talk about a lot of this stuff mm -hmm. and they're very personable and you're like, you're great on camera and they're very, uh, you're great at it. So I hope that's something that you're doing as well, because that's another way to put sort of a face to all the words. Yeah, well, I've started uh, sort of vlogging this series about the book and my own, you know, as I've recently had a child and, and I'm 45, you know, having the weight still there and, you know, not fitting in my clothes. And so going through this journey myself around emotional eating. And so that's, that's where the videos are now. It's really focusing on nice. this journey of self-compassion and self-care and moving towards, you know, emotional and, and mental health. Awesome. I want to thank you so much, Jamie, for being on the show today. It was great having you back on again. Thank you so much, Judy. It's great. Loved it. We're going to go on a short commercial break, more with Finding Your Bliss and singer-songwriter Amelia Ticola. When we come back, more bliss when we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're now joined again by the very talented singer-songwriter, Amelia DeCola. And just to refresh your memory for those who don't remember, Amelia's been on the show before and I'm sure she'll be on again. She is a pop and R&B singer-songwriter from Toronto, Canada. 
And she really started in this whole business at around the age of seven when she enrolled in classical training in voice and piano. And she completed her studies at Berklee College of Music. Wow. Performing in different musical genres such as R&B, jazz, and pop in Toronto and around venues in the Boston area. Amelia posts multiple covers honoring her favorite artists while also sharing some of her originals on social media. Her upcoming release, Paradise, is an upbeat, energetic, feel-good song that really is perfect for the summer. She writes about those wonderful feelings that you have at the beginning when you first fall in love and all you want to do is be with that person. And what's nice about that actually is that those feelings can come back. You can be in an ocean on vacation. You go, oh yeah, now I remember why I fell in love with you. But this song really brings all of that out. It's catchy, it's captivating, and it really will transport you to an unforgettable and musically breathtaking place called Paradise. What a gorgeous name for a song. Amelia continues to write songs about her personal experiences that people can enjoy listening to, and she plans to release more songs and an upcoming EP this year. Amelia is ready to share her stories and voice with the world. So everybody stay tuned, hold on to your seats or your hats, or whatever the expression is. Amelia DeCola, welcome back to Finding Your Bliss. It's so great to have you back on again. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Like long time no see. It's been a wild ride so far. It's been fun. <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's so great. We love to hear that. Since you've been on the show, Amelia, you've really been writing. You've been in the studio. You're on fire these days. Can you tell us what got you so motivated to really go for it with your music? So having like a good support system really helps. Um, I always have my dad, you know, come with me to the studios and he loves it. He loves like co-writing with us and like just hearing like what wow. I come up with, what my um, co-writers come up with. He's like my music manager, you know, shout out to my dad, you know, always supporting me and my mom as well. She loves every time I come home from the studio, she loves to hear what I wrote and, and, uh, we dance along too. And that's super fun. So, uh, so fantastic. <laughs> so Amelia, you also just came out with a fabulous new single. What was your creative process and your inspiration for the song paradise? So I found this beat off of um, this website called Pacific Beats on YouTube and I connected with it right away and I just started writing feelings that I was developing for this guy that I was seeing or dating at the time and currently he's my boyfriend right now. <laughs> it's about him, inspiration. <laughs> so the lyrics just like flew out of me and uh, just that feeling of like when you're first dating and everything's exciting and new and I took it to one of my um, producers and mentors. His name is Tem. He's from Toronto. And uh, he instantly loved what I came up with, but I couldn't think of a chorus by myself for some reason. I just couldn't think of the melody. And uh, when he came up with the melody, it just like clicked right away. And my dad just said, oh, what about the title Paradise? And then boom, the lyrics <sighs> just clicked for me. And I just wrote it, locked in your eyes. That's so cool. So can you set up the song for us? And what do you want listeners to take away from Paradise? So yeah, the song Paradise is basically just that beginning feeling of dating and putting yourself out there and falling in love and just having that free falling of, you know, accepting all the adventures you want with this person. And, you know, when it's the right person, it just feels easy and breezy and uh, yeah, like you're on a beach in paradise. So I love that. Yeah. Without further ado, let's have a listen to Amelia DeColas. This is an original, pretty cool. And it's called Paradise. Feelings I can't control, I can't take back the moment. 
God, I love your song. It is so fabulous. It is so, it's actually so good. And I've heard it before, but every time I hear it, I love it more. It is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've become a really prolific singer songwriter, Amelia. Like you are really writing, you're really in it, you're doing it. It's like so great. What advice would you give to younger or older artists who are wanting to create music? I think one thing about creating music is don't be too hard on yourself. Like we're not going to come out with, you know, the number one hit, you know, the first try. It takes time. It takes practice. I would just say, you know, keep listening to great artists. Keep listening to the lyrics and taking inspiration. Keep co-writing with other people because they're going to give you insight and help you become a better songwriter. And believe in yourself and don't let anything, you know, stop you from doing what you love. That's great advice to everyone out there from a really beautiful artist. So thank you, Amelia. You're fantastic. And I can't wait to see what's next. What is bliss for Amelia DeCola these days? Oh, man. Bliss for Amelia DeCola. I feel like bliss for me right now. And I had a different answer when I came on the first time. But I think bliss for me right now is just uh, my strength. I feel like. Um, you know, in life, you just go through these uphill battles and, you know, you, you don't know if things are going to get better, but they do. And we're, we're all resilient. Humans are all resilient. We're all resilient. And, uh, you know, it, it surprises me to this day that um, I look back in the past and just things that I've overcome, even going through school and university and COVID and all those things. Um, it's really made me stronger. And uh, now I'm just at a point in my life where... I'm willing to take on anything and whatever obstacles come my way, I'm willing to deal with it and fight through it. So that's something that I would say. That sounds like a pretty good prescription for success because (laughs) you've got the passion, but you've also got the drive and you've got that, you know, desire to just go for it and the fire in you. And that's all of those combined really make for, I think, uh, success and and lots of bliss. And that's what I wish for you and good health and happiness and all the rest of that stuff. What is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media? So yeah, uh, my social media handle is at Amelia DeCola, E-M-I-L-I-A-D-E-C-O-L-A. I'm also on TikTok as well. That's my same handle. And um, yeah, I also post YouTube covers as well. Same Amelia DeCola if you type it on YouTube. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's fantastic. Well, I want to thank you so much, Amelia, for being back on the show today. You know you have an open invitation. So the next thing that's happening, will you come back and share it with us? Yes, for sure. I will definitely (laughs) share more new music coming soon. So stay tuned. Thank you so much. Oh, fantastic. 
Of course, each week we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. And if you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or really anybody who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you also. What did you love about today's show? I can think of lots of things. Tell us. We'd love to hear from you. Are there any guests or topics that you would love us to feature on Finding Your Bliss? Write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also life coach. And guys, I'm really in the coaching sphere right now. I've gone back to school to deepen my learning at the CTI Coaches Training Institute in California, and it's been fantastic. So I also feel like I'm on fire. So if you need any coaching around your career, your dreams, your bliss, your purpose, or any of it, I am the girl for you. Reach out to me at fyb at findingyourbliss.com or findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. And of course, as well, you know that you can always reach out to us on our social media at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I would like to thank all of our wonderful guests for being on the show today. Thank you to Jamie Sable and Amelia DeCola. As well, thank you to Meg Ruffman, Siobhan Kiley, Lauren Kaminsky, producer and audio engineer, Naira Amani, associate editor and video editor, Sierra Brown Rodriguez, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Lee Brack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.